Hey, this is Caleb Cole, pastor of Project Church in Sacramento. And man, I am so excited for you to hear this word. I believe God is going to encourage you, strengthen you, and challenge you through it. So get ready to receive from God today. Come on, can we give God some praise in this place for what he's doing? God, we know you're doing a new thing in this church. So God, in this new thing, we invite you to do what new things you want to do in us and through us. God, we know the old won't take us where you where you want us to go. So Lord, we walk in the new. We embrace the new, the uncomfortability of the new, the, the uncertainty of the new. God, we can't go into this next season with the anointing of the last season. And so in this season, God, we embrace a new anointing, God, on our lives. A new spirit, God, to be released in us in this season, Lord. We embrace it and we walk in it. God, encourage us today. In your name we pray. Amen, amen. Hey, as you're seated this morning, turn to your neighbor and say, man, he's doing something new. Tell him, he's doing something new. You can be seated in this place. Hey, give some love for the worship team. They work hard to lead us into the presence of God. And uh, I'm thankful for them. Give it up for the production team. We don't see them, but they're in the back holding it down, making it all sound good. Making sure we can see the lyrics and all that good stuff. But hey, uh, my name is Caleb. If you are new, I'm so glad to meet you, have you here. Would love to connect with you after the service. I'll be out there for the tailgate party, eating, hanging. Um, We have community groups launching they're launching. They launched last week and this week, and we are so excited to find friends, to connect with new friends, and so we would love for you to jump into a group. Make sure you get connected. There'll be a lot of people at the lanyards and the shirts. You can ask them any questions about all the groups we have launching. But we are in the middle of a series called It's Not You, It's Me. This is a relationship series. How many want to level up in your relationships? Uh, you want a better marriage in 2022, 2020, 2022 than you had in 2021. Man, I, uh, I was thinking about it because so often people come into a message like this or a service like this, and as they're listening, they're thinking of all the people that need to hear this, all the people they need to send this to. Well, listen, the title of this series is, It's Not You, It's Me. And so today, I want you to receive for you what God has, all right? I know you might think of some other people that need to hear it. You can still send it to them. But make sure you're receiving something for you because God wants to change us. He wants us to grow. He wants us to level up. He wants us to own our stuff, own our issues, own what we need to change. But last week, Chrissy kicked us off and she talked about community about how it wasn't good for man to be alone. And so this series, we're walking through Genesis 2 and 3, looking at the the origin, the genesis of humanity, and what God did and how he reveals himself to us in relationships through Adam and Eve's relationships. As I was thinking about this, man, I was thinking about uh, my son when he was young. I have a 10-year-old now. His name is Cannon. He's our oldest Uh, But I remember back when he was two, 
And how many you know those terrible twos, they're a real thing. And uh, I remember breakfast became a battle. And I don't know if any of you have ever experienced this. Maybe your kids were angels. They never acted up, but mine were not that way. And uh, at two years old, every breakfast became a battle. The cereal was not the right amount in his bowl. The milk was not the right amount. The color of the bowl was not the right color. The spoon was not the spoon that he wanted. And every single breakfast became a battle. And I was at my wit's end. I said, girl, to my wife, he's yours. I'm done with breakfast, okay? Like, <laughs> this is your thing. I cannot do this anymore. I'm too young, um, you know, to be dealing with this. And, uh, and so my wife had an idea. I don't know. She probably read it somewhere. How many are thankful for, the, for wives that just have all the answers? Come on. Um, my wife had an idea, and she said, Kayla, here's what you need to do. You need to give him choices. I said, give him choices? He's two. I'm going to tell him what to do. I'm his father. He is my child. He does what I say. She said, well, it's obviously not working. So give him some choices. And I said, all right. So I started to pull out the bowls, and I'd get a green bowl and a blue bowl. I said, Canaan, which bowl do you want? He said, Dad, I want the green one. I'd get out two different kinds of cereal. He'd say, Dad, I want that one. I'd actually pour milk in a cup for him and say, you can pour the milk into your bowl yourself so it's the right amount. He'd do it. And let me tell you, breakfast went from a battle to glory and victory (laughs) and and joy. And just like that, all it took was a choice. You see, today we're looking at the story in Genesis chapter 2 and 3 where Adam and Eve sinned. They ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the, the tree of life. And I've heard this text preached so many times. And every time I've heard it preached, you know how I heard it? It was a don't sin sermon. Like Adam and Eve sinned, so don't sin. But how many know, telling people don't sin does not work. You want to know why? Because we're broken, messed up, sinful beings. And so I've always heard it taught as a don't sin sermon. Not only that, but I was thinking about it like, man, aren't you thankful that God is a God of choices? That he gave you free will? He didn't make you a bunch of robots to just do as you're told. Just like my child Canaan, I realized that in giving him choice, he had the opportunity to determine his own direction. And God loved us so much that he gave us choice. He gave us free will. And so today I don't want to preach a don't sin sermon. You see, this is about becoming a more healthy Jesus follower sermon. And we do that by establishing healthy boundaries. And so today I want to talk to you about boundaries. I want to talk to you about the boundaries you have in your life, the boundaries you have established or have not established, or maybe even the boundaries you need to break through in your life. You see, we need to respect boundaries. We need to create boundaries. And some of us maybe need to break through some boundaries today. But how many know that boundaries are important in life? But hear me in this. Boundaries don't make you holy. They protect 
what's holy in you. Let me say it again. Boundaries do not make you holy. They protect what's holy in you. And without healthy boundaries, I believe, we expose ourselves to the unhealth that's all around us. And how many know you walk out of these doors and there is a lot of unhealth all around you? Unhealthy perspectives, unhealthy attitudes, unhealthy spirits. The enemy is at work to infuse us with unhealth in this culture. Adam and Eve, they started out, they were naked, and they were cool. They they were naked, they didn't even know it. They walked around in the perfect garden, perfect weather, everything they had at their disposal. They walked in relation and communion with God, and, and, and all was well, and then sin entered the world through a choice. And suddenly they were naked, and now they were afraid. I believe that if we don't learn to set boundaries with how we follow God, we'll never be able to set healthy boundaries in how we interact with others. And so today I want to start by really talking to you about how the enemy has some tactics to attack your boundaries. You see, the enemy, he he understands that this is a battle, that this is a war. And so he has some tactics Well, he's trying to destroy some of the boundaries that you have in your life. But also, I believe God is going to reveal to you that some of you need to establish some more healthy boundaries in your life. So let's read Genesis chapter 2. I'm going to read verse 16 and 17 first. Chrissy read this last week. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden. Everyone say every. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in that day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Then the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for for him. Now going to chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the tree, the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together, made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden. I was afraid. Everybody say afraid. Because I was naked. I hid myself. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? Let's pray. Lord, speak to us from your word today. God, may we establish healthy boundaries in our lives. God, may we live in a way that honors you, reflects you, but may we also have the perspective of you that you want us to have. 
So Lord, give me the words to share that you want me to share today in this place in your name. Amen. So I'm just a, a, a guy from Vintage Park. Grew up in Sacramento. If you all know Sacramento, you know Vintage Park. Grew up, you know, chilling out, maxing, relaxing, all cool, shooting some b-ball outside of the school in Vintage Park, uh, which is why I'm rocking the J-Will today. If you don't know white chocolate, you don't know. But if you know, you know. I'm Kings fan, loyal till I die, to the end, ride or die. It doesn't matter that we have the record for longest playoff drought in history. I'm going to roll with them to the end. Not only that, we're on a two-game winning streak. Come on, somebody. But how many know I've had to establish boundaries in my life, even with the Kings? Because my wife has seen it affect my mood, affect my spirit, affect my joy. And so there's times that I've had to just turn off the game, even though I really want to watch it, because it damages my spirit. And I just got to tell you, man, we need boundaries in our lives. We need boundaries with people. We need boundaries with friends. We need boundaries with our coworkers. We need boundaries with, with our family. We need boundaries. But it has to start with the boundaries that God has given to us as followers of him. And what I think the enemies and often people's tactics are is they want to attack your boundaries. And so that's what I want to talk to you about today, because I think this is going to help you shift your perspective about God so you have the healthy boundaries between you and God so you can live out healthy relationships in this world. So the first tactic that the enemy has in attacking your boundary is he wants to get you to question God's provision. Everybody say provision. He wants to get you to question God's provision for your life. The enemy says, man, the serpent says to Eve, woman, God is holding something back from you. That's what he says. That's what he challenges her with. He says, okay, so you can eat all those trees, but not that tree. And he gets her to question the provision of God. How many know God is a good God. God is a provider. He has given us everything we need. Everything you have right now is everything you need to be all that God is calling you to be. Botanists estimate that there are 60,000 different kinds of trees. I want you to imagine that in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve can eat from 59,999 trees. But the serpent says, but what about that one? And they go, well, well we're not supposed to eat from that one. And, and the serpent gets them to question God's provision. It says, well, you deserve that one too. And I think there's a lot of people, maybe even in this room, that your perspective on God, the boundaries you have with God are not healthy. And so he's given you so much. You got 59,999 things to be grateful for, but you're complaining about that one thing. God, you haven't given me that one thing yet. God, why do you not provide for me? I've been asking you for this. And he's saying, I've given you so much, 
But maybe you got to wait on that one thing because I know better than you know. Because my perspective is better than your perspective. Or maybe you weren't meant to eat that one thing because that one thing will kill you. But we want it. Because we want often what we can't have. The enemy says God is holding things back from you. But you know what people will say? People will say you're holding things back from us. They'll tell us you're withholding from me. How could you withhold from me? And when people have said that to me, because people have said that to me in my life, it, it, as I've you know, lived now these 40 years on this earth, they said, you're withholding from me. And I'll say to that, uh-huh, it's called boundaries. You see, people will take as much as you are willing to give. But how many know if you only give and you're always giving and you don't establish healthy boundaries around you, eventually you'll find yourself empty. I heard this said this week, actually, as I was preparing for a message on boundaries. Someone said, if you're annoyed with people, it's because you need to draw clear boundaries with them. You see, sometimes we have no boundaries, and so people cross into places in our lives that that we begin to resent them for being in that area in the first place. But it's not their fault. It's our fault. You see, if you're annoyed with people in your life, it's not their fault, it's your fault. Because you've given them access to you in a way that all you had to do was draw some boundaries. See, sometimes a simple boundary makes all the difference, doesn't it? Before you know it, you said, hey, this is the line that I'm creating between you and I. Now you have no reason to be annoyed because you keep them in the place that God wants them to be kept in. Let me illustrate this for you. I decided we just moved into a new neighborhood. We signed our boys up for a new little league. And I decided to respond to an email looking for coaches by saying, hey, I would be willing to coach the boys in little league. Now, I responded saying, I'm a last resort. But let me tell you, if you say you're a last resort, if you say you're willing, the next morning I had an email saying, you're the coach. (laughs) You're in, Caleb. It's all you. (laughs) But let me tell you what's happened since. So now I am entered into this whole Little League world. I've never coached in my life. Little League. And I begin to get emails after emails. I am now in 47 different email threads. I'm hearing everything about little Johnny and how trash he is. I'm like, he's nine. Of course he's trash. He can't throw or catch or hit. Are we surprised? And they're sending scouting reports and, and, and ranking players. And I'm like, what is happening? And I started to get annoyed. So I was complaining to my wife. I'm like, babe, they're sending emails like every five minutes. I got 47 email threads going. And then God convicted me. He said, Caleb, you signed up for it. You're annoyed with people who you have agreed to be a part of that very thing. And so I had to repent. I said, Lord, okay. So now every time an email comes, I said, praise the Lord. I love Little League. Let's go. (laughs) But how many of us are annoyed with people 
because we have not drawn clear boundaries with them. It's not their fault, it's ours. Not only, though, does the enemy try to get you to question God's provision, the enemy will try to get you to question God's word. This is what he does here. If you were paying attention when I read it, the first thing the serpent says to the woman is, did God actually say? You see that? Verse number one. Did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? The enemy loves to say to us, God didn't really mean what he said. His word doesn't really mean what you read. And I just want to tell you, that's what this culture is trying to tell us right now as Christians. And I'm, I'm a person who at times reads the Bible and there are things that make me uncomfortable. I read the Bible and there's things that in my flesh, I don't even know if I agree with. But I have chosen that I will follow what God says over what I think. I will follow God's perspective over my perspective because I recognize that my perspective is flawed. My perspective has been influenced by culture. My perspective is not perfect, but I serve a God's who is. So I will choose to follow his word regardless of what this culture says. And we are living in a day and an age with a, a, a church that is biblically illiterate is what we're finding in all the studies, meaning we don't know the word because we don't read the word. Some of you, this is all you get. And I just got a challenge. You need more than this. 30 minutes on a Sunday morning, you need more than this of the word so you know the word. But then not only that, some of you know the word, but you question the word because the culture says, well, that word, that's not loving. And I just want to tell you right now, you must choose God's perspective over this culture's perspective. You must choose to say, yes, if God's word says it, I'm rocking with it because he knows better than anybody else. This may be an unpopular opinion today. But the enemy wants you questioning the truth of God's word. He wants you saying, well, did he really mean that? Is that really what it meant? But how many of you know, when it comes to respect, I found that there's a lot of people who have a hard time respecting the church. And I'm with you. Because I grew up in the church, I got some church wounds. Some of y'all got some church wounds, I already see your heads, you're like, uh-huh. Um, yep, I got some. And here's what I found, there's a lot of people who got a lot of perspectives about how the church should be run how the church should be handled. But here's what happened to me. I started out serving in the church in a subservient role. And when I was young, I was like, Psh, these people don't know what they're doing. These pastors, uh, they're tripping. Like, if I was in charge, let me tell you how things would go. And then now I'm in charge, and I'm like, oh, snap. This is a lot harder than I thought. <laughs> but here's what I found, and here's what God did in me. He told me, you can't help what you don't respect. And some of us want to help the church, 
by talking bad about the church. And I'm talking about the big C church, not Project Church. We want to help the church by pointing out all the flaws in the church. And here's what I want to say to you. We got to start because even though this thing is a mess and, and it's stinky, it's still the only boat afloat. Okay, I'm talking about Noah's Ark. It was a nasty place. But it was the only boat floating. And I want to tell you right now, the church is not perfect. It is flawed. It is broken. But let me tell you something else. There are still every week in the church all across the country and world where people meet Jesus. Hearts are transformed. Lives are changed. People are healed. Miracles are released. People are baptized in water. So let me tell you, you can't help what you don't respect. God talks often about speaking well of his bride. His bride is the church. But we want to question God's word because we think we know better. I think that so often we forget that, as I said earlier, we have to respect the boundaries that God has placed around us. You know, God's placed some boundaries around you. Boundaries you didn't even maybe ask for and boundaries that you don't desire. Because let's be real, there's a lot of you in this place who got a lot of ideas and a lot of dreams. And you're going, man, I see myself in a Fortune 500 company. Man, I see myself leading a a, a massive organization. Man, I, I see myself as the boss. I see myself influencing culture. I see myself doing big things because I got big ideas. But guess what? Right now. God has placed you in some boundaries. And I want to tell you and I want to challenge you that you would respect the boundaries where God has placed you in the season that he has you because he's teaching you something within those boundaries because if he removed the boundaries, you wouldn't be ready for what you desire. God has put those around you right now because he will lead you properly. So we must learn to respect the boundaries that God has placed in us, around us. This is what I'm talking about when I say, don't question God's word. I'm saying, don't question what God has placed you in, placed around you in this season, because he's working something in you. He's developing something in you to prepare you, because I believe, I'm looking out, I know there's future CEOs. I know there's business owners. I know there's ballers for Jesus. I know there's a lot of you out there with a lot to release into this world, but the boundaries that God has you in, respect them because he's going to use them to prepare you for what is coming. I love that the word gives us boundaries for relational living. I mean, this is a series about relationships. It's about people and I was actually talking to Chrissy because I'm like, man, I mean, we need boundaries with friends and coworkers and, and, and people we go to church with and community groups and, 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 and so many people. But like, what about boundaries for married couples? That's where it gets weird. It's like, we're one. We left our father and mother. We cleaved, right? We became one flesh. Uh, and we're one now, so there's not really any boundaries anymore because it's just like, you know, we were naked and afraid when Chrissy and I first, you know, got married. We were naked and afraid because I didn't know what I was doing. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's all new to me. Some of y'all need to receive this. You're single. 
It's okay to go into marriage and be naked and afraid because you waited. Woo. God wants us to wait. It's not easy. It's difficult. But it was worth it because now we went the opposite of Adam and Eve. They were naked and at peace, and then they became naked and afraid when sin entered. But when you wait and there's health and relationship and marriage, you go from being naked and afraid to now it's naked and freedom. God is good. Thirteen years later, three children later, there is still naked and freedom. Come on. In Jesus' name, some of you all will receive this one day. The enemy wants to say God didn't really mean what he said. But you know what people will say? People will say, but you gave me your word. I found this so often in my life because I'm like, I want to be a person who says, let my yes be yes. And I let my no be no. But sometimes in one season you say yes, but in the next season you have to say no. But what people will do is they'll hold you to your original yes. You said yes. And they begin to attack the boundaries they begin to establish because sometimes we have to establish larger boundaries. You see, the line is nice. You guys can't see it anymore. But it's easy to step over, isn't it? But sometimes God goes, you got you to gotta establish some larger boundaries. And so, Chrissy, come here. And so we need something that is a little bigger, a little taller, a little higher to guard our lives. We have to establish the boundaries in our lives. And so what will happen is people will say, well, you said yes to me. Just like the enemy wants you to question God's word, people will try to weaponize your word against you. And when people say, but you said yes, and now you're saying no, I go, "Uh uh-huh. It's called boundaries. And I begin to establish healthier boundaries. But how many of you know, like, this is a good boundary. But we have to continue to establish stronger boundaries because it's pretty easy to get through this. That's why we need more perspective. Thank you. We need more. You don't have to clap for her. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Clap for her. Clap for her. I don't know why I did that. <laughs> you don't have No, she's awesome. See, it's called boundaries. We need to continue to establish more boundaries, healthier boundaries, stronger boundaries, taller boundaries. What does the enemy do? Another tactic he has is he tries to get you to question God's design. His design, the enemy says there's a flaw in God's design. What did the enemy say? He tells the woman, after she says, I'm not supposed to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He says, you won't die. Actually, God knows that when you eat of it, verse 5, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. What does the serpent do? He tries to get the woman to question the design of God. How many know you were made for community? 
But the enemy wants you isolated. He knows if you're isolated, you're weaker. That's why we push community groups and we say, community, our heart. Because it is what establishes us, gives us support. Just like Ecclesiastes 4, 9, and 10 says, watch this. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. Verse 10, if one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Why am I saying this? Because sometimes we can actually take something good like boundaries and weaponize it to isolate ourselves. So while I'm calling for boundaries, I'm encouraging you to build boundaries, stronger boundaries, healthy boundaries. I'm also challenging you not to weaponize your boundaries, to isolate yourself. Why do we do this? Because we've been hurt. And when you've been hurt in the past, you have the propensity to to use something good like a boundary, and turn it into something bad, which is isolation. You can use a good thing and turn it into a bad thing. Why? Because your trauma, your hurt, your past is influencing you to self-protect. It's about self-protection. And how many know community equals vulnerability? And God wants us vulnerable to the right people. But the enemy will try to get us to question the design of God, the community that he designed us for, and say, oh, oh yeah, boundaries, cool, uh, but you should really just isolate yourself from everyone. And before we know it, we're alone, and we're hurting, and we're desperate. The design of God being questioned, I can also illustrate this. Even by looking at our culture physically. It's a great illustration of what's happening in us spiritually. See, people say, man, I, they go to the doctor. I have high blood pressure. Doctor says, here's a pill. I have diabetes. Doctor says, here's a pill. High cholesterol. Doctor says, here's a pill. Instead of talking about our eating habits, our exercise habits, our healthy habits. You see, it's the same thing. Spiritually, we can actually take something good and turn it into something bad. And that's why when I talk about boundaries, I have to caution you from the pitfalls of boundaries. Because the design of boundaries is to have healthy relationships. To have healthy lines drawn so that when you need to give, you give. And when you need to receive, you receive. But we can use them and weaponize them and, 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 and destroy them and deform them into something that actually causes pain. The enemy wants you to get you to question God's design. He also wants to get you to question God's conviction. This isn't a word we talk about often in the church, conviction. Uh, and, and, and what happens here is Satan, the serpent, tries to get Eve to question God's conviction. He says, yeah, I hear what you're saying. I know God said if you eat it, 
you'll die. And I know you're actually telling me right now you don't want to eat of it because you're not supposed to. But while it's bad, it's not really that bad. You know, you'll actually be fine. And I think about that because there are boundaries of conviction that God has placed within you. He put the Holy Spirit in you. You know that when you give your life to Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes and dwells within you. He's a helper. He gives you power, but he also convicts you of wrong living and wrong actions. But what the enemy does is he gets you to question the conviction that rises up when certain choices are presented to you. And so what do you do? You begin to cross lines, cross boundaries in physical relationships, singles, dating couples. You begin to watch or cross boundaries and lines in what you watch and listen to. All of you in here. I'm thankful for my wife because her conviction level is a little higher than mine. You feel me? And so I'll get on Netflix and I'll put something on. She's like, you need to turn this off. I go, girl. My voice goes higher when I'm mad at her. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, girl. Don't tell me my business. Right? And then I'm watching. I'm like, dang, she's right. And then I turn it off. Because how many know the conviction was there for me? But I'm like, it's bad. It's not that bad. What I listen to, what I watch, I mean, it's influencing me, but not real. I'm strong. I mean, I know God. It's not going to change me. But guess what? The conviction and the boundaries that God puts in your heart are there for a reason to protect you so that you're healthy moving forward, to be all that God's called you to be, to walk in the fullness of the purpose that he has for you. And I wonder how many of us in this room continue to cross boundary lines, continue to compromise in our convictions. Why? Because it's not really that bad. It's not really that big of a deal. The enemy says it's bad, but it's not that bad. You'll be fine. You know what people say? Here's what they're really saying. They're saying sacrifice your morals and your integrity. It'll be fun. Sacrifice your morals and your integrity. It'll feel good for the moment. Sacrifice your morals and integrity for a moment of pleasure. And to that, you know what we have to say? No. I will not sacrifice who I am or who I want to be for you or for anyone else. Why? Because I have a call on my life. I have a purpose on my life. God has given me a direction and a vision for my life. And I refuse to give up what he has for me for a moment that feels good. You know, I've been married to Chrissy for 13 years. One moment of weakness and conviction could ruin this and honestly all of this. One moment. One bad choice could ruin a lifetime of faithfulness. Hear me, church. One moment of weakness could ruin a lifetime of faithfulness. And that's why every day I have to be diligent to say, God, let your conviction be so strong and my boundaries be so solid that I will not cross any line because someone tells me to or because it feels good in a moment. See, we need some stronger boundaries and so my challenge to you today was to create boundaries that protect you boundaries that bring you health boundaries that bring you wholeness because let me tell you i could easily step over the line i could easily step through 
this little bigger paper boundary I built. But let me tell you, this one's a little harder, especially when you got skinny jeans. You know what I'm saying? It's a little harder. It's a little more difficult. I would challenge us that we would refuse to compromise our boundaries. The conviction. Stop questioning the conviction that God puts in your heart. The last thing that the enemy will do, his final tactic, if the band will come back, he wants to get you to question God's goodness. You see, this one is key, isn't it? This one is key, the goodness of God. Is God really good? Caleb, you don't know what I've been through. You know what I've walked through. You don't know the pain I've experienced. You know the trauma in my life. You don't know the betrayal I've had. You know the lack of support that's been around me. Is God really good? And that's what the enemy wants you to question, the goodness of God. You see, the enemy says God's intention is to control you. How many know God didn't control them? He gave them free will. He said, you can choose. He gave them choices. Why? Because God is a God of choice. He's a God of free will. But the enemy wants us to think that God wants to control us. He wants to put us in a box. He wants to hold us back. And God says, if there are boundaries around you, it's not to control you, it's to protect you. It's not to control your life or hold your life back. It's to set your life up for what is coming and what is better. People will say this though. They say, man, if you really cared about me, you'd give me what I'm asking for. If you really love, they'll even weaponize your Christianity. If you really love God, you give me what I'm asking for. You'd meet this need that I have. But to that I say, no. I'm withholding because I've got boundaries. And I'm protecting the good in me. Because what you're asking for and the love you're proclaiming is not love at all, it's selfishness. So I'm going to stand my ground on my boundaries because I serve a good God. I serve a good God. Boundaries. You know, I was thinking about it because while I started today and I said to you, I said, listen, We have to respect boundaries. We have to create boundaries. But the last thing I said was, some of you need to break through some boundaries though. Because how many know there are some boundaries that are not of God's making? There are some boundaries that are not of your making. There are some boundaries that have been put around you by other people or the places or or the perspectives of those in which you grew up with. And so I believe there's some people that today need to break through some boundaries that are not from God. You know what I'm talking about? Talking about some of you that never had a father, or your father left you, 
but you're choosing to break through that boundary and say, no, I'll be a good father. I'll be a loving father. I'm talking about those families that all they experienced was dysfunction and fighting and and pain and abuse. And you're saying, no, I'm breaking through that boundary because I'm creating a new kind of legacy, a new kind of family. I'm breaking off generational curses today in this place. No, I'm breaking through the boundary of what happened before me because I'm changing. Talking about the financial instability, the lack that maybe you grew up with, but you're saying, no, maybe there was financial mismanagement. But as for me, I'm going to handle it in a different way. I'm going to manage it in a better way. I'm going to manage it and steward it in a way that honors God. We're breaking through some boundaries today, church. I think that there's some of you who have bought into the lie of the boundaries that have been placed upon you or around you. They're not healthy and they're not from God. And I wanted to challenge you that you would say, I'm done holding to the boundaries placed upon me or around me by someone not God. Today I'm breaking through those boundaries. Church, God wants to release new legacies in this place. He wants to break off generational curses in this place. You see, there was a boundary, though, of sin. You know the boundary of sin? Because I said this wasn't a don't sin sermon. Not at all. This was a create the healthy boundaries sermon so you can live the healthy life God's called you to live sermon. But how many know there were there was a boundary of sin placed upon you? You see, Adam and Eve had no sin, but when God gave them the choice and they chose to sin, then that sin boundary was passed on from them to their children and their children and now on to you. And so what happens is people will come into the church and they'll talk to me and they'll say to me, I'm a good person. I have a good heart. Can I tell you something? No, you're not. And no, you don't. The Bible actually says that the heart of man is deceitfully wicked. Paul says, there's no one good. No, not even one. So listen to me, church. You're not good, but God is. People say, I'm a good person. I have a good heart. No, you're not. And no, you don't. Paul said, no one good. Your heart is bad. You are bad. But thankfully, Jesus is oh so good. And he came to make us good. You see, we are all bad people with a bad heart. And that is why we need Jesus. You see, Jesus doesn't make us a better person. He makes us a new person. He didn't come to make you a better you. He came to transform you. And that's why today, church, I'm here to declare the boundary of sin is broken by the person of Jesus. No longer are we bound by it. No longer does it hold us. No longer is death our destination. No, we have life because this boundary of sin has been conquered by Jesus. He took it. He bore the sin. And broke down the boundary so you and I could have life. 
But today we're breaking off some boundaries. But we're creating other boundaries, aren't we, church? We're respecting some boundaries that God has put in us, around us, upon us. Today I believe there's someone in this room that has not surrendered their heart to the Savior, the only one that can make them good, the only one that could break down the boundary of sin, and today is your day. Would you bow your heads across this room? Say, Caleb, that's me. I don't know Jesus. I've been running from Jesus. I turned my back on Jesus. I try to do it in my strength, in my ability. But today, you say, I'm ready to surrender wholeheartedly to the Savior, Jesus. I'm ready to let him break off the boundary of sin that I could never earn. You can never be good enough or righteous enough or holy enough. But Jesus was. That's you. You say, I need Jesus to break off the boundary of sin upon my life. I've been held down for too long by this sin, by those sins, by these sins. Today, church, if that's you, I want you to lift your hand. Go right now. Put your hand up. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, yes, yes. Anyone else? Yes. You can put them down. Come on, church. Give God some praise for these hands that have been lifted. This is the best decision they could ever make, we could ever make, and we rejoice. So I need you all to repeat this prayer after me. Like you mean it, say, Jesus, thank you for breaking the boundary of sin that was upon me. Today, I walk in the freedom and the life that comes from you and you alone. I love you, Jesus. I surrender to you, Jesus. I accept you, Jesus, as my Lord, my God, my Savior. Help me to create healthy boundaries in my relationships and in my life. I love you, Jesus. In your name. Amen. Stand to your feet, church. Here's what I want us to do. I want us to sing this last song as a song of declaration that we're walking with a God that is good. How many know God is good? He's for you. He's not against you. He has the best intentions for you. He wants to bless you and prosper you, not harm you. So today, may we rejoice as we create the boundaries that God has called us to create. Come on, lift your voices, church. Let's worship Him. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to the Project Church Podcast. We pray and hope that this message encouraged you, built you up, and gave you life. We want to ask that you would invest right now in what God is doing here in downtown Sacramento. We've just recently moved in to our all-new building in the waterfront, Old Sacramento District. We want to ask you, if you'd like to give, you can go to projectchurch.com forward slash give to invest. Let's see all that God can do through us.